بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم This subject known as the subject of hadith or in Arabic مصطلح الحديث the convention of nomenclature of hadith or of hadith specialists, reporters has a meaning مصطلح الحديث has a meaning and the meaning is that it constitutes the beneficial or useful foundations that stand as universal canon dealing with the matters of hadith this is the meaning of مصطلح الحديث and one should know that the evidences in Islam are the book of Allah as the sunnah and the sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam these are the two upon which the individual builds his creed and his travel to Allah, the one free of all imperfection, the Most High. By doing the acts of worship first, as commanded, and abandoning the prohibited. And since this is the thing upon which the person builds up his worship, then this thing must be verified that it relates to Allah Azza wa Jal or to His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the examiner of the Quran looks at it from one side, meaning the affirmation of what the text, the Quranic text, denotes regarding a ruling. The person does not look to affirming it being from Allah because The Qur'an is affirmed from Allah, is a consecutive, consecutively affirmed, unanimously agreed upon by the Ummah. Since Allah, the Most High, revealed it to His Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, until our times, and until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifts it to Him. 
And that's why the people of knowledge, the ulama, said, whoever denies a verse of the Quran or part of a verse or a word or even a letter agreed upon by the reciters, then he is a kafir, a disbeliever. But if he denies a letter where there is difference of opinion regarding it, then he does not fall in kufr. And those letters regarding which there are difference of opinions amongst the reciters do not exceed the fingers of the hand. This is concerning the Quran. However, with respect to the examiner regarding the Sunnah, the Sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, then he must look at it from two angles. The first one, is it affirmed to the Messenger وسلم, or it is not? The second angle, after it being affirmed, does it denote such and such ruling or not? So therefore, it is, if it is affirmed, then in this case, it becomes, in terms of the text, as the Qur'an, in the sense that it is valid, and therefore, it is affirmed to denote a ruling, existence or non-existence of it. But before its affirmation, then we must verify. That is because what is attributed to the Messenger وسلم, from the actions or sayings or abandonment, not all of that is affirmed to be from him, but rather from that there are the weak reports and there are the fabricated ones lies made and attributed to the Prophet and he is free from all of that and innocent from all of that we say that this verification is required why? because the reports were not related to us as they were mass related as it is the case with the Quran so therefore the person who examines the Sunnah in terms of what is attributed to the Messenger وسلم, he requires these two insights the first regarding the affirmation is this affirmed to be from the Messenger وسلم, and the second is the affirmation regarding it in relation to what it denotes regarding a particular ruling so from this you come to know
that seeking the evidence from the Sunnah is harder upon the person than seeking it from the Quran. And this is clear and evident. And that's why it is an obligation upon the student of knowledge to give this his care and attention as to what is attributed to the Messenger والسلام, he should give it his utmost care so that he comes to realize the authenticity of relating something to the Prophet وسلم, is it verified is it affirmed or not and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most high and all praise is due to him he subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy upon this ummah particularly upon the scholars of this ummah to verify what's authentically related to the messenger وسلم, and to distinguish that from that which is weak or falsely attributed to him and thus and again all praise is due to Allah the people of knowledge classified many books regarding this matter of authentication and they sufficed the ummah the hardship and the toil and their works became in the hands of the ummah like the books of Sahih al-Bukhari and the book of Sahih Muslim and other books from the books of the Muhaddithin the people of Hadith which the Muslims adopted and they made them the mothers of reporting to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in terms of the collections they contain and regarding the other collections the ulama may Allah's mercy be upon them laid down foundations that are applicable to verify what is related to the Messenger وسلم, so that your ruling regarding its authenticity or weakness can be reached these foundations altogether are known as the conventional rulings or the canon of hadith nomenclature known in Arabic as Mustalahul Hadith and from this we know now the importance of this Mustalah the ilm, the knowledge of this Mustalah <clears throat> and from this we come to know the importance of this knowledge, the knowledge of Mustalah al-Hadith 
and that it is extremely important because through it we can find our way to know that which is attributed to the Messenger وسلم, from that which is only weakly repeated or weakly related or attributed or fabricated. A knowledge which enables the person to know the status of the narrator and the text narrated as to whether it is accepted or rejected. Not in terms of what it denotes, denotes from the rulings. That is because the people of Mustalah has no work in terms of the denotion regarding the rulings or deductions from the hadith. Rather, the mustalah is a knowledge through which the person comes to know the conditions of the narrator and what is related from the angle of acceptance or rejection. Now someone will say, what is the benefit? The benefit is to know what is accepted and what is rejected from the hadith and from the ruwah, the narrators. Is this a little or a profound benefit? This is in fact a profound benefit. And that's why the study of the mustalah, mustalah ilm al-hadith, is a collective duty. So if we come to study it, then we would be doing one of the duties upon which we will be rewarded for. Before these times, uh, people did not give much attention uh, to this uh, knowledge regarding the mustalah of the hadith. But in our recent times, alhamdulillah, people gave it a lot of attention and they came to know that it is a very important matter. And therefore it is incumbent upon the student of knowledge or the seeker of knowledge to enable himself to know the mustalah al-hadith and in this respect therefore we came to choose one of the great and classical works regarding this mustalah al-hadith knowledge 
written by one of the great scholars of hadith and distinguished ones the author is Ahmed bin Ali bin Hajar al-Asqalani rahimahullah in his book which is entitled Nukhbatul Fikr Nukhbatul Fikr fi mustalahi ahli al-athar Nukhbatul Fikr fi mustalahi ahli al-athar Chosen thoughts of the conventional of hadith specialists or chosen thoughts of the nomenclature of hadith specialists and the author is Al-Hafid the master of hadith Ibn Hajar Ahmed bin Hajar Al-Asqalani Abu Al-Fadl Shihabuddin Ahmed Ibn Ali Al-Asqalani and he is better known by the name of Ibn Hajar and he was born in Cairo in the year 773 after Hijra corresponding to 1372 of the current era he began his studies at an early age at the age of five and he memorized the Quran by the age of nine he was a Shafi'i scholar and also a Hadith master and he took knowledge from renowned scholars in Cairo in Yemen and in Hijaz the western side of the Arabian Peninsula many scholars traveled from uh, far away places to take knowledge from him and he was appointed to the, posi- to the position of Qadir Quda famous chief judges, judges chief judge rather in Egypt several times he authored more than 50 books and treaties on hadith uh, tafsir biography and on Shafi'i fiqh jurisprudence the most famous of them is his 14 volume commentary on Sahih al-Bukhari which is called Fatḥu al-Bari he rahimahullah died in Cairo in Egypt in the year 852 corresponding to 1499 of the current era (coughs) kings and princes were known in his time to exchange gifts consisting of his works He was a prominent judge in Egypt 
as well as in the greater Sham area in greater Syria for 21 years he was humble, humble patient and tolerant he was steadfast, prudent generous, charitable and he spent much time in voluntary prayer and fasting and those who came to know of him praised his high standard of good manners in dealing with rulers, with imams as well as those who sat with him young or old This is some information concerning the author Rahimahullah and in fact the status of Al-Hafir bin Hajar does not need any commendation because he is known Rahimahullah He authored this booklet of a great value because it is really a choice regarding the Ilm al-Mustalah if one examines what is written regarding Ilm al-Mustalah he would find that all that they contain exist in this book known as Nukhbatul Fikr the chosen thoughts and the person can memorize this and render it to memory in two days Now we begin the text. Qala al-Mu'allif rahimahullah, the author rahimahullah said, <coughs> Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, in the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful. And we have explained the meaning of this basmala several times but we can briefly go over its meaning Bismillah in the name of Allah denotes seeking blessings from Allah by preceding the name of Allah the Most High Bismillah and Allah is the name 
the title of the Lord of the Worlds. And none is given this name other than Him. And the title Allah is the basis of all other names. And all other names follow on from it. Ar-Rahman means the possessor of extensive mercy. And in the grammar, Ar-Rahman takes the measure Fa'lan. Fa'lan, meaning Rahman, the same measure. And this denotes vastness. Ar-Rahim. And this refers to the deliverance of mercy to whomsoever Allah wills from his slaves. And in the grammar, it has the measure fa'il, i.e. rahim, and this denotes the application of an action. And so mercy is his attribute, is Allah's attribute, and that's what ar-Rahman denotes, and mercy is his action, which means delivering mercy to the recipient and that is what Ar-Rahim denotes together Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim are names of Allah proving his essence and the attribute of mercy and the ruling that this attribute necessitates The author then said, Rahimahullah, he said, Alhamdulillah, Alladhi lam yazal aliman qadira. All praise is due to Allah, who was and continues to be all knowing, all able. Alhamd. What is the meaning of Alhamd? It means describing the praised with perfection in essence and in attributes. If this description is repeated, then it refers to mean sana. Commendation, and the evidence for this, the evidence for this, is the saying of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the Hadith al-Qudsi, which the Prophet ﷺ related from his Lord. Qasamtu salat bayni wa bayna abdi nusfain. I have divided the salah between. Myself and my slave into two halves. فإذا قال الحمد لله رب العالمين 
So if my slave says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all praise is due to Allah, the Lord of all that exists. Qala Allahu Hamadani Abdi. And Allah says, My Lord, my, my slave praised me. And if he, my slave, says, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most beneficent, the most merciful, then Allah says, Athna Alayya Abdi. Now the description is being now repeated, and my slave hounded me. So from this we come to know that whoever explained or interpreted the meaning of Alhamd to mean the good commendation, then this is a deficient interpretation. And that the correct interpretation in defining Alhamd is وَصْفُ الْمَحْمُودِ بِالْكَمَالِ الذَّاتِيِّ وَالْمَعْنَوِيِّ is describing the praise with the perfect with perfection in essence and in attributes except that Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim rahimahullah added a particularization to this definition when he said مَحَبَّةً وَتَعْظِيمًا meaning magnifying meaning describing the praised one with perfection out of love and magnification out of love Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah added that the meaning is describing the praised with perfection in essence and attributes مَحَبَّةً وَتَعْظِيمًا مَحَبَّةً out of love and magnification meaning the inciting thing would be love and magnification because of loving Allah and magnifying Him then He describes Him with all perfection why? because this is to distinguish this from another type of incitement and that is the incitement of showing off and the like or fear like for those who praise the kings or the uh, people and, and, and high status one says that this is commendation no one can say that this is hamd praising Now, what about the article in Alhamd? Alhamd. Alhamdulillah. Al, the definite article. This is known in Arabic as this Al is for istighraq, so the meaning will be that it is used to encompass all kinds of praise. It's used to encompass all kinds of praise. Alhamdulillah. Al-ilah. Meaning, the worshipped. So, everything or anything worshipped, then he is ilah. 
then if it is worthy of worship truly deserving the worship then the ilah is the true ilah deserving divinity otherwise it will be false divinity in Allah Azza wa Jal the most mighty the most magnificent is a title for the creator the originator the one free of all imperfection the most high and he is ilahun mustahiqun lil uluhiyya ilah who deserves to be singled alone as the true God worthy of worship and praise alhamdulillah the author said alladhi lam yazal aliman aw aliman lam yazal continues was and continues the linguistics and people of grammar refer to this lam yazal as verbs of continuity verbs of continuity meaning they denote the continuity of something so continues from the past and the current and the future all knowing encompassing everything as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in Surah Al-Talaq chapter 65 verse 12 لتعلموا أن الله على كل شيء قدير وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ أَحَاطَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا It is Allah who has created seven heavens and of the earth, the like thereof, His commands descends between them, the heavens and the earth, that you may know that Allah has power over all things, and that Allah surrounds and comprehends all things in His knowledge, and that you may know that Allah has power over all things, and that Allah surrounds and comprehends everything in His knowledge. Nothing escapes Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the heavens or on earth. In addition, the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not preceded by ignorance. Meaning it doesn't mean that he was ignorant and then he became knowledgeable. So the ilm, the knowledge of Allah is not preceded by ignorance, nor it is succeeded by forgetfulness. That he knows and then he forgets. So it is not preceded by ignorance, nor it is succeeded by forgetfulness. The knowledge of other than Allah is defective from all of these three angles. In terms of comprehensibility, and also in terms of ignorance. Man was ignorant. Also with respect to forgetfulness, man forgets. So the knowledge of Allah is unlimited, unrestricted. But man, no matter how he reaches in knowledge, then his knowledge is limited. And also it's preceded by ignorance. Qala Allah Ta'ala in Surah Al-Nahl, chapter 16, verse 78. 
والله أخرجكم من بطون أمهاتكم لا تعلمون شيئا وجعل لكم السمع والأبصار والأفئدة لعلكم تشكرون And Allah has brought you out from the wombs of your mothers while you know nothing and he gave you hearing, sight and hearts that you might have or might give thanks In addition, it is succeeded by forgetfulness How often do we forget? We know that But with respect to the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is comprehensive قال الله تعالى إن سورة طه 2052 قال علمها في كتاب لا يضل ربي ولا ينسى موسى said the knowledge thereof is with my Lord in a record my Lord is neither unaware nor he forgets so he is neither unaware not ignorant as to what passed and neither he forgets as to the future and with all of that he is described and qualified with Al-Qudra the perfect ability and that's why the author Rahimahullah in the beginning Discussing his words, he said, Alhamdulillah, الذي لم يزل عليما قديرا. All praise is due to Allah, the one who لم يزل was, is, and continues to be all knowledgeable, all able. The Qudra ability is a description by which the able can do the action. And it is different from uh, strength or power. The strength is a description whereby the strong one is able to do without weakness, while with respect to the able, he is able to do without any capacity. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala contrasted them in capacity with ability, strength with weakness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Rum, chapter 30, verse 54. Allah Allah is He who created you in a state of weakness, then gave you strength after weakness. He didn't say ability. He didn't say gave you ability. But in the other verse, in Surah Fatir, verse 44, Chapter 35 verse 44 Allah Ta'ala وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعْجِزَهُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ 
ولا في الأرض إنه كان عليما قديرا Allah is not such that anything in the heavens or in the earth escapes him verily he is all knowing all omnipotent all able he didn't say all strong which of them is more particular ability or strength each one is more particular from the other in one aspect for example strength overall it exists with the one with ability with feeling and ability overall will repeat strength could be overall in one with a will and one without a will while ability overall is with the one who has the will in addition the ability exists with weakness and with strength while strength can only be with strength it cannot exist with weakness for example, we, it is permitted for us to say هذا الحديد قوي This iron is strong. And it's permissible for us to say هذا الإنسان قوي This man is strong. So therefore, the strength is in the one with will and with the one without will. However, the ability overall It is only in that which has a will, not in the inanimate overall. Secondly, the ability indicates the doing of an action without weakness. The strength, rather. The strength indicates the doing of an action without weakness, in contrast with the ability. And that's why if a person is told to lift this rock and he came to lift it and he was unable to lift it from the ground, we say that this person is unable, is unable. And another one lifted it but with difficulty and his face turned red, yellow, and so forth. We say that he is able, but he is not strong. And we tell another person, we tell him, lift it. And he lifted it like a feather. We say that this person is able and strong. You see the differences between the ability and strength now? Now to the next statement of the author, Rahimahullah. Then the author, Rahimahullah, after praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this phrase, he said, وَصَلَّ عَلَى سَيِّدِنَا مُحَمَّدٍ الَّذِي أَرْسَلَهُ إِلَى النَّاسِ كَافَّةً بَشِيرًا وَنَذِيرًا 
وصلى الله صلى الله This is an informative statement Informative in text But It is an statement of initiation in meaning What does it mean? It means that You ask Allah To have his salah Upon Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam So what does it mean when we say Allahumma salli ala Muhammad Oh Allah Have your salah upon Muhammad The meaning is That you ask Allah the most mighty The most magnificent To make salah upon him What is the meaning of salah upon him It means Praising him In the highest companion meaning before the angels close to Allah before the angels close to Allah meaning that Allah praises his prophet in this companion of the angels this is the meaning this is therefore an invocation a request Invoking Allah, calling him to have this salah, this mentioning and praise of the Prophet ﷺ in the most high companionship before the angels. So this is a statement of dua, invocation. And from this is when you say, such and such, rahimahullah. Such and such, you name a person and you say, for example, he died, you say, Rahimahullah. This statement is an informative statement. But when someone says it, Rahimahullah, we don't say to him, you made a mistake. How do you know that Allah will have mercy on him? Why? Because he will respond to you. He will tell you, I invoke Allah to have mercy upon him. So therefore, this takes the form of dua. When you mention somebody who died and you mention his name, you say, Rahimahullah. This is a form of dua. Meaning, You ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive him or have mercy upon him. This is the meaning of sallallahu. Then the author said, وَصَلَّ ala Sayyidina Muhammad. May Allah salah be upon our Sayyidina Muhammad, الذي أرسله. You see here, there is a defect in the statement. Because the author, rahimahullah, said, O oh Allah, have salah upon Sayyidina Muhammad, alladhi arsalahu. You know, it, which he, whom he sent. You know, if it were not for this statement, whom he sent, then this would have been a great defect. Because the mere saying Sayyidina, our leader, does not indicate that he is a messenger. Because the Sayyid is the noble leader 
and this also does not indicate the nobility of the messenger of the message. But the author Rahimahullah said, Alladhi arsalahu, whom he sent. And it would have been better from that to say, Wasallallahu ala nabiyina aw ala abdihi. Sufficient to have said, May Allah Salah be upon our Prophet or his slave, or the like. We don't say, however, that his statement is uh, denounceable. That is because he mentioned Alladhi arsalahu. He said, the one whom he sent. And we say that, Inna Muhammadan sallallahu is our leader, and the leader of all the children of Adam, alayhi salatu wasalam, and he is Ashrafu Nabi, or Ashrafu Bani Adam, the most honorable of the children of Adam, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the closer the statement to that which came in the text, then it would be the better in terms of correctly describing the Messenger وسلم, and his real status with Allah. Now, if someone asks the question, how could it that how could it be that we say Ala Sayyidina upon our leader, Sayyidina? But we know that the Prophet ﷺ said to those people, those people who said to him, "Anta Sayyiduna wa Ibn Sayyidina," you are our Sayyid and the, and, and the son of our Sayyid, our leader. He told them, "Say what you say, or part of what you say." وَلَا يَسْتَهْوِيَنَّكُمُ الشَّيْطَانِ But don't let the Shaytan incline you to your desires. We say, this does not oppose the statement mentioned. That is because the Prophet ﷺ permitted them to say that. But however he cautioned them that not don't let the shaitan incline you to your desires lest you take by these statements excessiveness above the excess above the rank which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had put the Prophet or made it fit for him so therefore the direction of the Prophet is fearing for them lest they incline to the desires of the shaitan and say Abdullah wa Rasul the slave of Allah is his messenger and this is better this is a better description describing the Prophet alayhi salatu then the author said ala sayyidina upon our leader Muhammad Muhammad this is his name sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his title. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned his name in the Quran in four places in the Quran. The first place is in Surah Al Imran, chapter 3, verse 144. 
وما محمد إلا رسول قد خلت من قبله الرسل محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم you see this is his name is no more than a messenger and indeed many messengers have passed away before him also in surah al-ahzab the second place is in surah al-ahzab 33 verse 40 Muhammad is not the father of any man among you but he is a messenger of Allah and the final and last end of the prophets the third place is in Surah Muhammad, verse 2. Surah Muhammad, verse 2. وَآمِنُوا بِمَا نُزِّلَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ وَهُوَ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ In Surah Muhammad, 47. But those who believe and do righteous good deeds and believe in that which is sent down وَآمَنُوا بِمَا نُزِّلَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ وَهُوَ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ And believe in that which is sent down to Muhammad وسلم, for it is the truth from his Lord. And the final one is in Surah and, and, and the fourth one is in Surah Al-Fatih. محمد رسول الله وَالَّذِينَ مَعَهُ أَشِدَّاءُ عَلَى الْكُفَّارِ الآية Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم is the messenger is the messenger of Allah and those who are with him are severe against the disbelievers and merciful amongst themselves this name has a great meaning. In it, it comprises the qualities and merits such that he is fit for being the best to be praised. Now, if you say there is a name in the Quran other than the name of Muhammad and you say that this name is Ahmed and this came in the glad tidings which Isa السلام, brought to the children of Israel. When he told them, وَمُبَشِّرًا بِرَسُولٍ in Surah Al-Saf, verse 6, And remember when Isa, Jesus, son of Mary, said, O children of Israel, I am the messenger of Allah unto you, confirming the Torah which came before me and giving glad tidings of a messenger to come after me whose name shall be Ahmed.
Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala question? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the name Ahmed instead of Muhammad in the glad tidings of Isa to his people? This is in order to make clear that Muhammad is the most amongst mankind in praising Allah and that he is the most deserving to be praised the Prophet Ahmed. So he, the Prophet is the best amongst mankind in praising Allah, Ahmadun Nasilillah. And that he is Ahakud Nasi and Yuhmad, most deserving of mankind to be praised. Both qualities are derived from this name Ahmed. And our Shaykh Rahimahullah added one more reason. And he said, وَعِنْدِي and with me وَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمْ And Allah knows best that there is a third matter that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put this word on the tongue of Isa alayhi salam for this third reason which is that he made it a fitna a fitna a trial a test for the children of Israel if they follow the mutashabih if they follow that which is not entirely clear and so they will come and say the one whom Jesus informed us about his name is Ahmed and the one who came in Umm Al-Qura in Mecca his name is Muhammad so Ahmed is other than Muhammad so bring us a prophet or a messenger whose name is Ahmed so that we believe in so in this therefore there is a trial and a test for them in following the mutashabih in following the mutashabih that which is not entirely clear and indeed they brought up this shubha this doubt they raised it but we respond to them that Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned in the same verse فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ قَالُوا هَذَا سِحْرٌ مُّبِينٌ Same verse. The verse of the glad tidings. Surah Al-Saf. But when he, Ahmed Sallallahu came to them with clear proofs, they said this is plain magic. You see that? Who then came to them? The question is. 
who came to them. The messenger whom Isa السلام, gave them in glad tidings, his news. So therefore he came. So this indicates that Ahmed is not to be awaited for, as the Christians claim. But he came, and the one who came is Muhammad wasallam. Secondly, Isa said, giving glad tidings of a messenger to come after me. And it is known by the agreement of historians that there was no messenger that came after Isa, after Jesus, except Muhammad sallallahu So, the one who came is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa When he brought them the clear proofs, they said, هذا سحر مبين. This is plain magic. So it became clear that this title used by Isa alayhi salam, Ahmed, this title has two benefits. The first benefit, to make it clear to the children of Israel, أن هذا الرسول Ahmed, that this messenger, Ahmed الناس لله وأحق that from his name he is the most praising of mankind to Allah and he is most deserving of praise to, uh, most deserving amongst mankind to be praised this is from his name Ahmed and so therefore he is to be praised and also there is the notion in that an indication for his merits Sim- especially since he brought them the glad tidings and the glad tidings is in matters that are pleasing and the second matter is what it constitutes from being a trial to those Christians whereby the name that came is different from the name whom was mentioned who was mentioned by Isa alayhi salam in Qabl so therefore this became a doubt to them and we came to know that uh, this doubt is answered from two angles. The first, when he said min ba'di, after me. And there is no affirmed messenger after him, after Isa except Muhammad. Therefore, Muhammad is Ahmed, alayhi The second angle, when he brought them the clear proofs, this indicates that he is not awaited for. That he came already. He is not to be awaited for. But they delight him. Is that clear? Is this a great benefit which uh, our Sheikh Rahimahullah mentioned? Is this clear? Now, so this is Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin, and then the author said. وعلى آل محمد وعلى آل محمد آل محمد 
The Al refers to the followers. Al. Let's write it down, please. The Al, Al, Ali Muhammad refers to the followers. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, mentioned in Surah Ghafir concerning Ali Fir'aun, the followers of Fir'aun. Surah Ghafir, chapter 40, verse 46. وَعَشِيَّةً وَيَوْمَ تَقُومُ السَّاعَةُ أَدْخِلُ آلَ فِرْعَوْنَ أَشَدَّ الْعَذَابِ The fire, they are exposed to it, morning and afternoon, and on the day when the hour will be established, it will be said to the angels, cause Pharaoh's people, Pharaoh's people, his people, his followers, to enter the severest torment. So, it refers to the first meaning we have mentioned now, the followers. Also, it refers to the relatives. Al also refers to the relatives. So, it is. it can be said, Alu Fulan, the relatives of such and such. With respect to the Prophet ﷺ, if it is mentioned Alu Muhammad, this means his relatives, but what? The believing relatives. With taking, excluding the Al, the relatives who are Kafirs. So therefore, when there is a conflict between the meaning denoting followers and this is the general and the meaning denoting the relatives which is the particular in cases of dua when one is making the dua and there is conflict between the general and the particular, then the best is to take the wording of the general. The best is to take the wording of the general. That is because if you carry the meaning on the general, then the particular is part of the general, but not the opposite. You understand? You understand? The general is inclusive of the particular, but not the opposite. So if we say, Alu Muhammad, Alu Muhammad is a common term between his relatives who believe in him and between his followers of the believers. Which of the two terms is more general and encompasses all? Huh? Which one? The Al of the relatives or the Al of the followers? Which is more general? 
the eye of the followers. The followers, because the followers are believers, and the believers will include what? Will include the believers of his relatives, right? Will include the believers of his relatives. So, when it comes to dua, when it comes to dua, one should what one should make the general because the particular is included in the general but not the opposite Clear? So therefore, with the statement of the author, we carry the meaning to mean what? The followers. Right? Okay. Then the author said, وَصَحْبِهِ He said, Ali Muhammad وَصَحْبِهِ And his companions. Now, aren't the companions followers? Aren't the companions followers? Yes, right? So, the author therefore, the author when he used the term when the author used the term وَصَحْبِهِ this is from adding the particular to the general in the construct in conjugation. You understand? You understand? And who are the companions? Who are the companions? The companions is a plural of Sahabi, a companion. And the companion is everyone who met the Prophet ﷺ believing in him and died upon that irrespective of the timing of his meeting with him, whether it was prolonged or short, but with the condition that he believed in him and he died on that. Is that clear? This is the definition of a Sahabi. This is the definition of the Sahabi. Everyone who met the Prophet ﷺ and believed in him and died upon that, irrespective of the time period of his encounter with the Prophet ﷺ, prolonged or short, but he died on that. And the companions are the best of this Ummah. 
and the companions are the best of this Ummah. And they have ranks in terms of excellence. And in general, in general, the Muhajirun, those who migrated from Mecca to Medina, are better than the Ansar, are better than the Ansar, those who gave help to the Prophet ﷺ in Medina. In general, also, those who accepted Islam before the Treaty of Hudaybiyah are better than those who accepted Islam afterwards. And with all of that, all of them, all of the companions, are described as being qualified with adala, uprightness, uprightness. And that's why the people of knowledge mentioned that not knowing the companion, not knowing the companion in particular, is of no harm because the Sahaba, all of them, are Udul, are upright. So if the name of the companion is not known in the narration, it does not harm. Because the Sahaba, all of them, are Udul, are upright. Is that clear now? And then the author, Rahimahullah, said, وَصَحْبِهِ وَسَلَّمَ تَسْلِيمًا كَثِيرًا سَلَّمَ تَسْلِيمًا كَثِيرًا This is another invocation asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to safeguard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his family, the believers of his family, his followers, the companions, all of them from the worldly defects and from those defects in the hereafter. And he said the author, rahimahullah, to have abundant salam upon them. We stop here, inshallah ta'ala, before we continue the subject. This is the introduction of the author, rahimahullah. He, so therefore he said, in short, this, what, we, this, what we explained is the introduction of the author when he said Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi alladhi lam yazal aliman qadira all praise is to Allah who was, is and continues to be all-knowing, all-able wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad and may Allah salah be upon our leader Muhammad alladhi arsalahu ila al-nasi kafatan bashiran wa nadirahum Allah had sent to all mankind all mankind as a warner and giver of glad tidings وعلى آل محمد وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا and on the followers of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم and his companions abundant salah and salam this is the beginning or the introduction of the author رحمه الله then after that he began talking about what had been written concerning the Convention of Nomenclature of Hadith and the Knowledge of Hadith in terms of the narrators and the texts. 
and inshallah ta'ala we'll proceed to that by Allah's will next week walhamdulillahi alladhi binamati katimmu salihat wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallama taslima kathira